that's, uh, we're going to talk about a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing from Ecclesiastes. Uh, we are joined by the adult education minister at the Sunset Church in Lubbock, Texas, Bill Tracy. Bill used to be a stateside missionary um, for Mac back in the 90s. He was in Southern California. Uh, he moved back to Lubbock about 10 years ago, a little more, and uh, first worked for the Institute, and then he was hired by the church itself. Uh, he is married to Betty, and their three children are grown up. I found out, I was, I was reminded tonight that their daughter is the same age as my son, just graduated from, from high school and is about to go into Ames. So I'll let him uh, come and tell you all about it as he talks to us tonight. Come on, Bill. Let's try that again. Good evening. Man, it is so good to be back at Mac. Um, just sweet memories. We were talking at supper that that used to be my office right over there. It's moved up a step. It's now it's the ladies' closet. All right. I'm excited about that. That's all right, you know. Uh, and so it, it, it that was the office. And, and so it is so good to be back here at Mac. Again, my two sons were were born here in San Antonio and and uh, remember taking them out of the auditorium and being so excited. But I do have to let you know something. We have a little bit of an expansion. All right. This is my first grandbaby. All right. This is so cool. And let me just say, this is Josh and Holly. And if you remember Josh and Holly, I just got to tell this about you. You're old. Because it's been a long time since I've been here. All right. So uh, you are old, and that's okay because I am older too, all right? So, no, this is my new grandbaby. She's six weeks old, and so you just have to slip that in, the first one, all right? I like this grandparenting stuff. It is cool. Um, resolving. Let's move on to resolving. I was going to tell a joke, but since Doug told his, I am not so sure that's the water I want to step out on. Uh, I'll go ahead and try it anyway, all right? Listen, I'm going to talk about resolving today. I'm going to talk about conflict, Christian conflict. I know that seems like an oxymoron, Christian conflict, but it's really true. It goes something like this. Conflict is not uncommon in the body of Christ. And if you've been around the body of Christ for a while, you know that to be true. And I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. But let me just say this. If this breaks out between the preacher, Mark, and the song leader, you're in big trouble. Because it goes something like this. One week, the preacher got up and he preached a commitment. A uh, lesson on commitment and how we should move forward for others. The song leader got up right after that and said, and sang a song, I shall not be moved. The next Sunday, the preacher preached on giving and how we should gladly give to the work of the Lord. The song leader got up and sang, Jesus paid it all. All right. The next week, the preacher got up and he preached a sermon on gossiping and how we should watch our tongues. The hymn that followed was, I love to tell the story. The preacher sort of became irritated at this moment in time and said that if this didn't stop, that he was going to resign. The song leader got up and sang, Oh, Why Not Tonight? <laughs> the next week, the preacher resigned and he told, the, he told the church that Jesus had led him here and that Jesus was taking him away. And the song leader sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> Listen, conflict 
happens. Conflict happens. The statistics, I know statistics are this thing that's sort of hard to grab hold of, but listen to some of these. 19,000 congregations will experience a major conflict this year. 25% of those will say that that conflict will have a resonating effect for five years after that. 2% of conflict involves doctrine issues, and guess what? 98% involves interpersonal interests or relationships. 40% of church members leave the church because of conflict. Now let me just tell you the new twist that's coming out when we're dealing with conflict and resolving conflicts in churches, and that's the new media, the, the social media. One of the things we're dealing with right now at Sunset is a disgruntled member on Facebook. And what do we do there? Well, let's just not get involved in social media. Sorry, that ship is already passed. That one sank a long time, like with the Titanic. That's gone. So, as we live life under the sun, and I like that title, as we live life under the sun, the question really is, is what are we going to do with conflict in a biblical and resolving way. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter six, uh, 1 Kings, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 3. In verse 16 it starts with how was Solomon known because of his wisdom? His wisdom was known because he made a wise ruling about the two prostitutes and the baby. And his reputation as a wise leader, came because of resolving conflict. Notice what it says in verse 28. When all of Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Solomon's wisdom was known, and life under the sun was known because Solomon resolved conflict that was happening within the kingdom. Here's the thing we've got to really remember is this. It is not if, but when. Okay? Let's, let's just pop the bubble right now. It is not if conflict will come in the church, but when will it come? And I know this is hard, especially if you grew up in a family where conflict was not dealt with. I mean, it was just sort of this taboo thing where, hey, listen, we're just not going to deal with this stuff. It's all unspoken. It's the big uh, pink elephant in the room. But I want to let you know something. If you hang around the church long enough, here's the thing you need to remember is, it is not if, but when conflict comes about. Now, let me tell you how that, why I know that. Not only through personal experience, but watch this from Scripture. Underneath the law of Moses in two passages here, Deuteronomy 21 and 25, the priest, part of their responsibility was not only just to worship, but part of their responsibilities was to settle disputes. Notice 25, verse 1. When men have a dispute, notice the tense of that. It is an automatic given. When men have a dispute, you priests are going to take care and resolve that. How about this one? We go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and our brother read the Scripture tonight. It says this, all right? When Jesus was talking about kingdom living, what is kingdom living going to look like underneath the new covenant? What is that going to look like under new covenant? Jesus included in kingdom living resolving conflict. 
Now notice what he says. He says, when you're at the altar and you're about ready to offer your sacrifice and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering and go take care of that thing. In other words, settling conflict was more important than worship. Now, we don't like to hear that too much. Settling conflict was more important than worship. In an old version of the Bible, I, and I always heard this as a kid, I never had a clue what it meant. It said something like this. Older versions say, when you have ought against your brother. How many of you remember reading ought? Okay. <laughs> I was growing up, I was like, ought? Who is ought? Ought is always in trouble. So I looked up the word ought. And ought means this, something. It's a very deeply spiritual word. Let me say it again, all right? When you have ought against your brother, ought simply means something. There's not this deep spiritual, it just says something. When you have something against your brother, you leave that at the altar. Next is this, you turn to the letter of the churches. In the letter of the churches, it, it Paul, when he's talking to the church at Corinth, he says, if the churches have, to, if if you have a dispute with each other, it was a given fact. Now we know the church at Corinth had a bunch of problems, but they were still the church of God. If a brother has a problem, why are you taking it to the worldly court? Don't you have wise men there who would take care of that? Let the wise men take care of this. But it was a given fact. James chapter 4 and verse 2. Why is this fighting going on? You kill, you covet. It is a given fact. Now, here's the thing. Until Jesus comes and our life is redeemed on this earth and we enjoy heaven, let me just tell you what's going to happen. It is not a matter of if, but when it happens. Conflict happens. Because if Jesus and God in His wisdom gave us instruction in the Old Testament and then in His teachings and the New Testament and then the New Testament church, He's saying, this is something you're going to have to deal with all the time. It is not if, but when. And a lot of times people have left the church because we've not equipped them, and that's what tonight's all about, equip them when when happens. When when happens, that's what we've got to deal with, not if. I used to think this too. And there is an element of this that is true. But I used to think that you were very unspiritual if you had a conflict. And there is an element to that, because James chapter 4 says that there is an element of that. But then we get to Acts chapter 15, towards the end of the chapter. And it doesn't mean you have to be unspiritual. Just think about the people who are in conflict there at the end of Acts chapter 15. We have Barnabas the son of encouragement, and we have the Apostle Paul. Now let's, let me give you a little, let's grasp this Apostle Paul thing real quick. Apostle Paul, God took him up to give him a glimpse of heaven. Okay, let me say that again. He went up to heaven. He saw things that we're not going to see until Jesus comes again, he saw him. He had all spiritual gifts that I know of. He could heal people. 
And when we get to Acts chapter 15, it says this about the Apostle Paul. He got into a sharp dispute with Barnabas over John Mark. Now that sharp dispute there, it means passionate dispute. This wasn't like, I really, Barnabas, let's not take John Mark. Uh-uh. They were, they were getting after it. They felt passionate about that. So it's not a matter of being unspiritual. But here's again, the thought is, it's not a matter of if, it's when. So before you resolve conflict, whoops, that was the one I was, um, Philippians chapter, i got to remember to do this five. I get excited. All right? Okay. John heckled me about the slide. John said he's going to heckle me tonight. So I'm anticipating it. Just say slide. All right, here we go. Before you resolve conflict, here's what needs to happen. A healthy dose of self-examination. Not if, but when. When conflict comes about, when all of a sudden you have ought, something with your brother, there is something that needs to take place. And the first step that needs to take place is a healthy dose of self-examination. First off, there needs to be the right spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look out not for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Listen, before I draw up battle lines, before there is a fight that needs to go on, I need to understand something, that before I enter into this, before I enter into this dispute, I need to make sure that this is going to be, at the end, the best interest of that brother or sister in this church. There's some self-examination. The other one is this. We better be sure and get an eye exam. Okay? Seriously, okay, all right, you got it? Matthew chapter 7. The concept here is not judging. You know, we get to this, do not judge lest you be judged, and we stop there. The text is not saying not to judge. It's just saying is this. You be careful of the standards you're laying out for everybody else because it's going to be the same standard laid out for you. You be careful about your standards. And the standard you lay out for everybody else is the standard that's going to be laid out for you. So you be careful about that. And you make sure that there's no big planks coming out of your eye before you go make a judgment. It's a healthy dose of self-examination. So we know conflict's going to come. So when it does, there's a healthy dose of self-examination. The next thing I want to do is this, and I love this baby. This is not my grandchild. She's sweet. All right? Here's the thing is, where is this coming from? Where is this conflict coming from? It's a question that needs to be asked. James chapter 4, verse 1. What, what causes? What's causing the fights and quarrels that are going on? Don't they come from your desires? And that word desire there is where we get the word hedonism. They're coming from some of the conflict. Some of the conflict is not spiritual. It is carnal. It is from Satan. Because it's based upon 
I want what I want, and I don't care what you think. It's hedonistic desire. And James addresses that, and he says, listen, i got to let you know something. The reason why you're having so many conflicts is because you're a bunch of hedonistic babies, spiritually. And you need to grow up in the Lord. What's the source? The source could be just from selfishness. And I've got to do a self-examination. I've got to do a check on that. Is this just coming? Why am I so upset here? Why am I in this conflict with this brother and sister of the Lord? Maybe it's just because I'm being selfish here and I'm not giving way to my brother and sister in the Lord. Am I being selfish? The second one is, it's just straight up sin. It is sin. First Corinthians chapter uh, 5, when a, or Matthew chapter 18, when a brother sins, it is a sin. It is, listen, this is thus saith the Lord and you're not doing the thus. It's just straight up sin. It is the 1 Corinthians 5. It's the Galatians chapter 5, verses 19. It is the 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's all those lists. It's the one where someone's going, hey, listen, I've got to let you know something. God says something about this gossiping right here. It's a sin. Straight up. It is a sin. This is wrong. The third possibility is what we call disputable matters. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 14 and 15. There was conflict going on in the, in the church in Rome. In fact, if you look at Romans, it was written to deal with the conflict in Rome, the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 14 and 15, there is this thing going on, and what happens is this. They were having what we call disputable matters. Now, that's often a very nebulous term, disputable matters. And, and, and we don't really, you know, it's hard to sort of pin that. Let me just tell you where that where part of this is. Do you know that there are Bible things that we could look at and study together and come out with different outcomes? Okay, wait a minute. I know we don't like to hear that. Because everything's the same, right? It always fits in this box. No. Now, there's certain things that always fit in the box, right? Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I mean, there's stuff that's never, ever going to change, and we will never, ever change that. But there are matters that come about that we will see differently on, and we will both come from the basis of study. Notice what it says there in Romans chapter 14. When by faith you come to this issue, it's a faith issue for you. That means you have looked at it by faith, looking at it from a text to go, I have come to this conclusion based upon my study. And somebody else comes in and says, I have come to a different conclusion based upon this. Disputable matter. And they come out. Now, if you're a black and white person, I'm really sorry for you tonight. I mean, seriously. I, I just, it's a disputable matter. We're going to see differently about this. And sometimes, and that's why he gives these principles in Romans chapter 14 and 15, that's why he gives these principles because two people do, by faith, come to a different view on a certain issue. And he lays that out. So here's the thing is, what's the source of the conflict? 
You've got to ask that question. But what are some overall principles? I want to move to this. What are overall principles? As we sort of take a step back from Scripture, and this is not in every case, but in overall, overall, what can we say about resolving, life under the sun, resolving conflict? Here's some principles that I think we could see. Number one is this. Settle quickly. Settle quickly. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 14 says this. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 28. In your anger, which means that you can be angry and still angry and still not sin, but in your anger, do not what? Sin. But what's the rest of it? Do not let the what? Sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. You know, and I... Uh, you know, I sort of struggle with this verse because I think about maybe the person who has been abused, who's angry at a deep, deep, deep hurt. And uh, I've heard a lot of people in a flippant way just say, well, you better take care of that before nightfall. Ouch. Um, I'm not so sure about that. But I think, the, let me just tell you what I think the overriding principle here is this. Let me just think what I, I tell you what I think the overriding principle here is. Don't let anger settle long in your soul. Because it will corrupt it. Don't let anger settle in your soul long because it will corrupt it. But I think overall here is this, and some people hold a real tight view to this, and I, I guess you could go, I'm just saying is this, overall as you look at the sort of all of Scripture, here's the thing. If you and when, when conflict comes, settle that thing quickly. Take care of it quickly. Again, we go back to our Scripture reading, right? Before you go, take care of it quickly. Don't let things settle for a long time. Because usually at the end of the day, you end up hurting yourself and those closest to you. Settle it quickly. Don't let that thing rest a long time. It'll just corrupt and damage your soul. Settle quickly. And overall, we see that from Scripture. The other thing we see from Scripture is this. You first go alone. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. You go. Notice it wasn't plural. Take the gang with you. Listen, I've been talking to a few people and we all... Yeah, I've heard those conversations. Bill, I'd like to talk to you about something. Yes, what would you like to talk to me about? Well, I've been talking to some people. Oops, you've already flipped. You, you have already slipped. And there's a number of people upset with you. I've stopped asking the number. 
Because it's imaginary. It's at that moment in time I've realized that they have not done the biblical thing first. You go alone. You go alone and take care of this thing. Here's what we hear. I'm afraid. You know what the opposite of fear is? Faith. Of course you're afraid. But fear should never stand in the way of faith. That's why Jesus kept on asking His disciples over and over again, why are you so afraid? Faith. Faith is the key. Listen. If you're too afraid to go alone, here's the word. Drop it. Leave it alone. And you better be able to go to that brother and sister and wish the best for them. Right? You settle quickly. You go alone. And if you can't do that, and I don't, we don't say this word in my house, but I'm going to use it tonight to get it across. Shut up. Be quiet. Or go. That's sort of hard for us, isn't it? There's just something about us. Me. Did you hear about John? No, I'm staying with him. I'm going to be nice to him, all right? Isn't it easy to do that? But overall, as we look at Scripture, we look at resolving conflict, you settle quickly and you go alone. And it's after you go alone that if there's not the response at that moment in time, then you go to other things. But the first response is to go alone. To sit down and be able to look at that brother and sister in the eye and just say, listen, I want you to know I'm struggling here. And there's something going on and I'm just not feeling good. And I've got to talk to you. Because my relationship with you is so important. And then finally is this, the overall principles. Okay, here it is. Follow the rules. Okay, I know that there needs to be... Listen, follow the rules. Did you know in Scripture that God figured this out a long time ago? Conflict? I know that may surprise you. He thought about this conflict stuff. And He says, I tell you what I want you to do is this. I have some things, some principles in Scripture that if you will just follow them, you'll be okay in this situation. Now, we understand that in a lot of other different areas, don't we? But it's also the same when we talk about resolving conflict. God gives out different rules. Notice this. Think about this for just a second. In Acts chapter 6, somebody was being neglected, right? There was conflict in the church. How did he solve? How did the church solve that? They got together, brothers who were able to take care of the need so that the elders could do what? Prayer and ministry to the Word. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 15. There was a threat to a brotherhood. There was a threat to salvation. Right? 
circumstance. They were going around going, listen, I know you're reaching out to these wonderful Gentiles, but let me just say this. It is not baptism alone. It is baptism plus circumcision, and then they'll be saved, and that is a huge threat. And so they got the church together, and they dealt with that. Follow the rules. Acts chapter 15, towards the end, Paul and Barnabas got to a sharp disagreement to the point where they couldn't disagree. But here's the thing about it is, they didn't go off mad, they went off and did the work of the Lord. They just took different people. What's interesting about that is that later on in Second Timothy, Paul asked for who? John Mark. Could you imagine that letter to Barnabas? Barnabas. I was wrong. I was such an idiot. Can you see the Apostle Paul saying that? Well, he did, because he asked for John Mark. But he followed the rules. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Listen to these rules. Now I beseech you, brother, mark them who caused a vision and offense, uh, offenses carrying to doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Listen. Somebody pops up on the screen and they're causing division in the church. Here, follow the rules. You look at that brother and sister and say, okay, this is very look, this is very spiritual. Stop it. Or we're going to mark you. But you can't do that any longer. You follow the rules. Matthew chapter 18. If a brother sins, what do you do? Well, you first go alone, and then you take some witnesses, and then you tell it to the church, and they don't listen to the church. We had to do this a few times in Southern California when we planted churches. And, and one of the new Christians came up after we had just set aside a sister, handed her over to Satan. And this sister goes, this is serious business. And I go, exactly. This Christianity is serious business. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Follow the rules. Titus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Warn a divisive person, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. You find a divisive person, you warn him once, you warn him twice, and then you don't have anything to do with him. You follow the rules. Romans chapter 14 and 15, when you get to disputable matters. Mark, I don't remember how many, but there's what, about 15, 16, 12 principles out of 14 and 15 that deal when you get to disputable matters. When you get disputable matters, there are rules to follow there. And at the end of it, when you hit the disputable matters, if I think I got this right, is you keep your opinion to yourself and I'll keep my opinion to myself. But we'll live in peace and do the work of the Lord. Follow the rules. So let's say when, not if, remember? When. When conflict happens, follow the rules. Follow the rules set in front of you. God's rules in this. Now, I want you to know conventional wisdom doesn't always follow what God wants you to do. Does it? We've sort of noticed that, haven't we, lately? And this, I mean, just sort of what? Conventional wisdom doesn't always 
when it comes to conflict and resolving conflict, life underneath the sun, guess what? Here's what you have to have. You have to have a healthy dose of trust and faith. Listen, I can't see this working out, God. I can't see how this is going to work out for the good. I can't see that. God's going, just trust me. Follow the rules. Follow what I've laid down. And whatever the outcome is, it'll be blessed because you followed what I said. You've obeyed what I said. And that takes a lot of trust, doesn't it? Because when we enter into conflict, all right, unless you're a conflict junkie, there's some of you out there. I am one. No, I'm not really. I mean, I mean, you just when you enter into this, you're listen. It's hard, but we've just got to trust God and take the steps of faith that He calls out in Scripture. In Scripture, He says this. Listen. If you have something against your brother or sister, go go straighten that thing out. Don't live with that. If it's a disputable matter, listen, you may have to get to the end of the day where you look and go, listen, I love you and you love me, but we're just going to hold to this differently. But that's all right. We're going to live in peace with each other. We're going to do the work of the Lord. And that's okay. Follow the rules. And a healthy dose of trust. Let me tell you where I've tried to end up at the end of the day. And I want to let you know that I I am not perfect in this. And I struggle with this. There's two things I try and do. Um, the first one is, is I want to be clean. Well, let me explain that. I really try that when I walk down the halls at sunset and I'm looking at people's faces, that I'm clean with that person. Does that make sense? That I'm clean. That I, that I don't have to go down another hall. I don't have to give platitudes to something that I, I just want to be clean. And here's how this worked out. i got five minutes, right? Got five minutes? Five minutes. Okay. All right. Um, I have a brother at Sunset, and him and I, we have knocked heads on a regular basis every once in a while. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> I mean, we just, we're just those kind of individuals, and, and I love it. But we've made a decision a long time ago that we are going to be clean with each other. And so one day I was preaching this sermon, and I, maybe he thought I was preaching at him. I was more preaching towards me. He came up to me and he goes, Bill, I just want to let you know. I said, brother, listen, I want you to know we're clean. And if we don't become clean, I want you to know I will be there and we will go and we will be clean. I want to be clean. I want to walk down the hall. Not worry. Not wonder. I want to be clean. And, I, and do whatever we have to do to be clean. Isn't that right? To be clean. I want to be clean. Make every effort. Be diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 3 and 4. 
Be diligent. Work hard at being at peace. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12 and 18. And here's the point I'm trying to make here about being clean. Am I doing my part to be clean? Am I doing my part? Now, there gets the moments of times, and it says here in Romans chapter 12, if at all possible, which means what? There's sometimes it ain't possible. But notice how it ends there. As far as it depends on who? You, me. I have done everything I know to do to be clean. Everything. I've done everything I know to be clean. I will be clean. And I've tried to do that. I'm not always, I've tried to do that. The second thing is, is this. I want to be a person of peace. Ecclesiastes, which is interesting where our, our, our series comes from. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger, for anger resides in the lap of fools. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you, are, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. Now, listen. At the first I said, not if, but when. And there are going to be times when we are going to have conflict. But let me just tell you where I don't want to be. I don't want to be the person, the member, the minister, whoever I am in the body of Christ, when the leadership looks at me and goes, oh no, here he comes again. Because they know every time I come that I'm going to bring strife, anger, bitterness, and resentment. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be known as that person. I want to be known as a person of peace. That's what I want. I want to be clean. And I want to be a person of peace. I don't want to be the person that's been to 25 congregations and everything is wrong with the, where the congregation I just left. I'm sorry, I mean, if that's, if that's hitting you where you are, man, it's time to do a little self-examination. I don't want to be that person. I want to be a person of peace. So tonight, when conflict comes, the real question is this. Will we handle it? Will I handle it? Trusting Jesus Christ and His standard to resolve that conflict. Let's pray. Father, we uh, honestly don't look forward to conflict, but God, it, we know it happens. We know it comes. We know that it is sometimes being passionate people, passionate for you. Uh, we get crossways and cross-eyed. I just 
and we it just conflict comes. And so, Father, tonight we ask, God, that we will trust you enough, trust you enough to resolve it in a way that is pleasing to you and not us. And that, Father, we will look at ourselves and that we will look at your body and that, Father, we will be a clean people, that we will be a people of peace. So, Father, we help and we pray that we'll be that kind of people. And tonight, Father, I pray that if there is conflict, if there is conflict with another brother or sister tonight, I pray that that be resolved. I pray that there will be uh, talking and hugging and confessing. And that, Father, unity of the Spirit will rule and reign in this church. And it's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. What a great...